Welcome to Real You. Um, I'm Mark here. We're going to continue talking about part three of the humanity of God. Um, I'm really um, liking this subject, and I, I want to refresh your memory. Uh, we've been talking about the incarnation, which the early fathers called it, which is the nativity or uh, the virgin birth. And to refresh your memory, we, we talked a little bit about that the early fathers wrote that the nativity is a secret recreation by which human nature was assumed and restored to its original state. And then also we read, I share with you that um, one of the writers wrote that humanity had to be brought back to life by the humanity of God. And so we we talk about a lot, or I do, I always say we, I hope somebody is out there, but we, I talk a lot about the divine nature, and it's kind of like my passion, it's my, something that probably means the most uh, than anything, manifesting the divine reality that, that what he's not only called us do, to do, but called us to be, um, <clears throat> We shared a, a concept that it's quite possible that Adam was actually man living in God in the Garden of Eden, and therefore the nativity of the recreated man was actually God living in man. And so they made an exchange. And so you can go back and listen to, uh, you know, go back and listen to those thoughts. And we we're actually looking at the virgin birth process because it really relates to us how we manifest this divine nature and we talked about point one um, the angel came to Gabriel and we're reading out of Luke chapter one and we talked about point one is where he came and shared this great news with her and she was perplexed in her mind and couldn't believe it so we we shared last time that number one you had to be able to accept this this great love and grace because it's the fertile ground of the creativity uh, for the Holy Spirit to bring forth manifestation. And we know that the whole earth is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. And um, I know this sounds really crude and it sounds crazy. Um, but they're not so much waiting. And I don't know how I can say this. You'll just have to hear me by the Spirit, I guess. But they're not so much waiting for... Jesus in the flesh as they are waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God or the reality of the Christ and let me say this in Acts chapter 8 I think it was Philip that went to went out and preached and the scripture says he preached Christ unto them and there was something they were preaching that the early the early disciples were preaching Christ they were preaching the kingdom of God and they had much more success out in the marketplace with healings and deliverance and all that and uh, so anyway one early father wrote you know we shared a couple weeks ago that um, one early father said you know um, we have strived so hard to manifest him and making him obvious that we've hidden him all over again and he is hidden in our midst and I believe it was Tertullian and I've heard it quoted by some other early fathers that said preach Christ at all costs but only when necessary use words and so that's that's kind of what we have we're we're at, we're at this process of receiving the divine life divine seed by the holy spirit and Mary is walking around and has this great visitation of angel the angel Gabriel 
but she was troubled, so she had to accept the divine grace. And then the angel said, Fear not, for you found favor with God, and, and out of your womb shall be born a son. His name is Jesus. And then she said, How can this happen? So you have to, number one, get through the process of receiving this great word and, and what it does to you and the perplexity that it does into your mind and all your old religious belief systems. You know, and then, then secondly, you have to start, quit trying to figure out how it's going to happen. She said, how is this thing going to be seeing I know a man? But thank God for his grace because the angel said the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you, which means to envelop in a haze of brilliancy in the glory of God. And therefore that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold your cousin Elizabeth, she is also conceived in her old age, and she is she in her old age, and she is with sixth month with her, of whom was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And so number one she had to accept the grace number two she had to not try to figure out number three he said here's how it's going to happen if you can if you can just receive this great news that it has nothing to do with you it is divine unmerited favor the desire and power to do god's will great grace upon you highly favored you're the chosen one if you can accept that then he says the Holy Spirit, and then if you can get to a place to quit trying to figure out how you're going to manifest this reality of this Christ consciousness, this manifestation, sons of God reality, because the news is it's already here. But if you can quit trying to figure out how that's going to happen, then he said the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you, and that holy thing shall be born of you, shall be called, shall be called the Son of God. That word thing we talked about is rhema. And we know that in, we know in John 1 that the word, the logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, and we beheld his glory. So he became flesh. He put on flesh in Mary's womb and he gave birth and he was manifest. And she gave birth to the rhema of God. He, when he was in her womb, it was the logos of word. But when she gave birth, it was the rhema of God. And all of us are in that same position. We, The Logos is the intent, thought, and heart of God. And the Rhema is the consummation and the reality of those thoughts manifested. And it's like we shared before. The Logos contains the image, the very image of God. It says that he was the very express image of God in Hebrews. And then he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's express image, but in manifestation, we restore the likeness. And that's what, we're, that's what we're striving to do is restore the likeness. And then he says these words. And just for a confirmation, you're going to find your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, with a six months worth of child already. And I'm sure she had that look in her eyes. And he said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And, and we use that verse a lot for... Um, you know everything like for sickness and for deliverance and for paying our bills and but the reality that verse the reality of that verse was obviously it is nothing is impossible with God but in the context of the content of that verse he was talking about 
the bearing bringing forth and then her manifesting the divine her giving birth to the Christ on the earth the king of kings and the lord of lords in the earth and where God took upon flesh and redeemed flesh and consumed it and and absorbed it with his divinity and he forever settled it that flesh would see the glory of God and so Gabriel says for God nothing will be impossible and I'm here to tell you that the most possible the greatest possibility of impossibleness is that God wants to manifest his greatness within you through you to you for you and because of you and then Mary said these words behold the handmaiden of the Lord be it unto me according to your word Rama and the angel departed and she went with haste to see Elizabeth to see the sign the proof in her heart the the confirmation of her faith that these things were true um you know there's a lot in this process number 1 you have to you have to receive the great news number 2 you have to quit trying to figure out how it's going to happen and number 3 you have to understand there's going to be signs around you to give you a witness of the empowerment of what's happened to you and one of the greatest witnesses is when you start seeing the barren wombs bring it forth. When you start seeing dead things come back to life. Dead churches, dead people, dead places, dead spaces come back to life. But she did not even, before, without even going and checking with Elizabeth first, she accepted it and said, Be it unto me and according to your word. In other words, let me have this, let this manifestation According to your word, let, accord, let this manifestation happen inside of me. <laughs> and it's called the reincre- reincarnation. It's not the reincarnation. It's called the incarnation or the recreation where God absorbed humanity in the rebirth of his son. Now I want to take you to a story uh, in closing with this thought with the day. Something that... that that I learned this last couple of weeks ago that I want to leave with you. And talking about the humanity of God and the divinity of man, um, I learned a long time ago that uh, many times God is who you think he is. And I know that's a hard saying. Um, your unbelief does not change who God is. <laughs> Your lack of perception of him does not change his, who he is. You could even say he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. And in fact, that he might actually do this and he does that. And you can actually try to contain him and never contain him. There's, there's, in other words, God is who you think he is. That's who he is to you. And that's the beauty of it. He, he is perceived and experienced through you and through me in our own way and then collectively together and we're trying to get to this place where we see him in fullness and um, I don't know how to how to explain it to you but um, there's a story where he takes the talents and he gives each man a talent according to his ability and according to each man's ability he gave him power he gave him talents the one he gave five when he gave two or whatever and to one he gave one and he came back to give an account on what they had done and of course they had all doubled and 
the guy with the one talent hid his talent and he said why have you hid my talent and he said well I did give it back to you but not without interest and he said why have you done this everyone else everyone else invested in and everyone else used their what I gave them and doubled their potential what why have you buried it and he said these words in the parable because and I believe it's Matthew 25 or, or Luke he says because I perceive you are a hard man and therefore I hid my talent and I at least wanted to give back what you gave me and in the parable the story is that the Jesus is saying through a parable you know he's talking about the kingdom of God the kingdom is like he never said the kingdom is he said it's like because if we defined it we would confine it and so therefore he didn't tell the guy I'm not a hard man but he said these words he took from him and gave it to him who was the faithful for to whom have been faithful he gave much and what I'm trying to tell you today as much as you uh, would like to live off others faith and as much as you'd like to and you do that for a while but there comes the, there comes a point in your life where God is who you think he is and I dare you to believe outside of what you've been told about him I dare you to dream that he's bigger than even you could have imagined and believe that's who he is because he's going to be expressed to us exactly the way that we see him and perceive him and it responds to us in the way that we 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 live towards him if we perceive him as a hard unforgiving uh you know that kind of god that's what he is to us but if we perceive him as forgiving and caring and loving and overlooking and full of mercy that's who he is and that's why he doesn't come down and he's not nervous he's not it doesn't change he doesn't suffer from low self-esteem so if i get it wrong it still doesn't change who he is (laughs) <laughs> if I get my perceptions wrong and I may need him corrected but he's so awesome to reveal himself in a way that so I want to see him in the way that he is not in the way that I you know what I mean not in the way that I've learned and not in the way I've experienced the way I've perceived one of the early fathers said if I could get to the end of everything I think I know and learn about God there I would find the reality of who he is and I can just tell you today Whatever you think about God and God in you and what that means to you, whatever that is to you and however great that is, God is way bigger and way beyond that. And just in a few years of research and perceiving and walking, you'll realize if you write down this day to day and write down everything that you think he is to you and everything he's called you to do and put it in a sealed envelope and put it in your drawer and then in five, three to five years, I want you to, to take that out and open it and read it and tell me what you think now. In other words, it's like, how do you like me now? And it will be different if you keep progressing and quit looking back in your past and quit reliving these events in your life and keep pressing into the vast riches of his grace and greatness. Anyway, I want to, I didn't want to digress there, but it is important when you're talking about the humanity of God and the divinity of man that it intermingles. Um, this is why communion in, in my heart is so, so very vital to the reality of me becoming like him. And we talk a lot about us being like him, but we don't talk a whole lot about him becoming like us. And that's the whole message. And here's the message. Like when we take communion of the Eucharistic, the sacramental life,
I try to take it, uh, I try to involve myself in services and events where they use the elements, which which our, our friends call elements, but our Orthodox fathers and our, they call them sacraments. And I try to partake in the sacramental life of the church through Eucharistic or th- the great Thanksgiving feast. And what is this great Thanksgiving feast? It is where at some point in the service, and we don't know how, just as if the Holy Ghost had come upon Mary. You see, that's the reality. See, like when you go to a marriage, and we have a marriage ceremony, and and, and we believe and we know that by faith, when they walk out of that building, they are one in the eyes of God. Now, we did not know when they became one, but we know one thing. At one point in that service and ceremony, in the presence of God, the old Holy Spirit somehow fused us through the spirit to make us one and we did not know how but we know that it is and so our faith is we don't need to define how or when it happened our faith is we just know that it is that we are one that's the same way as the communion table is as at some point and that service at some moment during the prayers or doing the whatever at some point we don't know how And we don't know when, but God's spirit and his presence comes into the bread. And, and, and in, in Orthodox, in Orthodox or sacramental church, we believe that he comes in the bread and, and we believe by faith. We don't know how we don't have to define it. Faith means I believe that it is. It even says in the scripture that his, we, we call it the bread of his presence because he is the bread that came down out of heaven. And when he comes in the bread and then we take a piece of that, since he's in that, he permeates every molecule of that bread by faith. We take that bread and we put it in the cup. And now, therefore, the flesh has mingled with the blood of the cup. And now he is in the blood in the cup. And so when you take communion this way, and, and it's not as a Roman Catholic way right was because they, they believe in transubstantiation, stantiation which literally means the bread ceases to be bread and it becomes the actual flesh of God. And that's a stretch. And I can I can believe all that, but for me the reality is that the orthodox faith or the the sacramental way that was passed down to us through our early fathers, the eucharistic life is this that it is the bread of his presence and it, even though it is bread it is full of the presence of god by the spirit in a mystery by faith and the beauty of that is that it is it is always and never ceases to be bread and when you put it in your mouth it's going to taste like bread and and somehow you know roman catholic got it to the event of it's supposed to be the actual flesh of god and and it was it, it is wild because uh, Jesus told him in John 6 taking you know you're supposed to unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood that's what he's saying unless you eat the bread of my presence and drink the blood of my presence and when he said in, in in when he sat down with his disciples the last thing he did before he went to his crucifixion he he tore off the bread before he was resurrected see here's the beauty and he said take and eat this is my body broken he didn't say it was a symbol of my body he said it is my body by the power of the spirit in his presence 
And why is that important? It is very, very, very important. It's why we struggle with the divinity of humanity because we truly have not accepted the humanity of divinity. We have not accepted that table as the humanity of God. It is the expression of the humanity of God week after week after week and day after day is the reality that he came in the flesh and was crucified under Pontius Pilate and suffered and died as a man but resurrected as God. And when you look at that table and and you partake of that bread, it never ceases to be bread, but it also never ceases to be God's presence. So it is the bread of his presence. It is bread, but it is full of the presence. And it tells me this, this is the story of the table. It tells me if he can come in the bread in his presence, in his fullness, and it never ceases to be bread, looks like bread, tastes like bread, smells like bread, then I know without a doubt that he can come into my bread of my heart and my flesh. And it gives me hope that I can walk in this divine life only because I have the reality sitting in front of me of the humanity of God. And if you can believe this, I'm actually partaking of this bread and this blood and taking it within me, and everybody knows you are what you eat. And so I just want to help you understand this process. Um, It's very vital that we understand the humanity of God. Everyone's struggling with the divinity of humanity. I'm not, and I'm sorry to say, I maybe was. I maybe was, but I am not a sinner saved by grace. I am. I maybe was, but I am a son of God. According to the scriptures, it says these words, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it does not appear what we shall be, but we know this when he comes. We shall see him as he really is not how I've perceived him and not how everyone's told me to believe how he is I'm going to see him as he wants to see wants me to see him see that's what revelation is revelation is the ability to see God through God that's why people struggle with revelation they have these mad made interpretations and they're trying to view God from the from the limited realm and trying to perceive God when the reality is a revelation is a prep is an opening up of my understanding to see a glimpse of how who he wants me to see him as wow that's what a revelation is that's why it'll change your life and that's why you'll never see God the same You can't hear a real revelation and be the same. You can hear a good message and be the same. And you can hear an emotional event and be the same. And you can have a goosebump and have a feeling and have a oozy, warm, fuzzy feeling and be the same. But you cannot see God high and lifted up and be the same. You cannot be like John in the revelation in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard a voice. You can't. You cannot enter into. That's because the revelation is so valuable and so important and so precious to hear him. I'm going to stop there. I got another thought for the next one already, but I want to leave you a scripture with you that I want you to live by, and this is what I live by. 
This covers all the bases. Um, my Orthodox priest friend was uh, an amazing man of God, humble, caring. And by the way, you think you're humble and you think you got it all together, you ought to uh, travel through the airport wearing a robe or one of those collars or something. I've done it, and it's uh, quite a journey. <laughs> and we were, we were traveling, and, and we were flying. I forget where we were flying to or from. It doesn't matter, but uh, we were wearing our collars, and, and he was the father. He, I, was a, I was a deacon in training. And usually when you do church business, you're supposed to wear your collars or the whatever. And uh, I love all the guys who make fun of them, but they've never worn one. They have no idea what it means. All it means is that I'm yoked. I'm under authority. That's all it means. I'm under authority. And obviously uh, a lot of our minister friends now in this day and age would never wear one because, you know, truthfully, (laughs) they're not under any authority. That's for sure. But this scripture I want to leave with you that I live with, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Write that down, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I had a young, sweet girl lady came up to uh, our priest at the time, or maybe it was Archbishop, traveling. And she saw the collar and assumed that we were Catholic, Roman Catholic, and assumed that we weren't saved and born again and didn't really know Christ because that's how we've been taught. God bless her. And he's, she asked him, you know, if you die tonight, do you know if you go to heaven and do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And then she said, sir, are you saved? Are you born again? And he was so sweet and kind, and he said, you know what, my dear? I know what you're saying, and I've been where you've been, and I want to give you this response. I was saved. I am being saved, and I know that I shall be saved. And that stuck with me for a lot, many, many years. It's been 10, 15 years now. And I found a scripture that defines that. And it means a lot to me, and I want to leave it with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Well, let's go to verse 9. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Here we go, verse 10. Who has delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, and whom yet we trust he shall deliver us and that's the word beloved he has he is and he shall be everything he said he was going to be to you god bless you as you hear these words um please pass this uh information on to those who are hungry and thirsty and and continue to write it's been a blessing to me it keeps me going i love you I hope to see some of you soon. God bless.